you're you're a bad person. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe. Throw no, me no, in the no, dungeon. No. dungeon. <laughs> um, all right, you want to do just a quick – Coach, can I just hear how you sound? Can you just say your name three times and just see how, how it sounds on my end? Gilbert Juarez, Gilbert Juarez, Gilbert Juarez. Perfect. We're okay. good. We're good. All right, all right, you ready to roll? Let's roll. <clears throat> All right, welcome back to another edition of the Physical Athletics Podcast. I'm Adrian Broadus, and I'm joined by the Director of Strength and Conditioning here at Physical Athletics, Armando Aguilar. Armando, how's it going? Uh, great to be back here uh, doing the show with you. Great to be back. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man, and I'm so <laughs> excited because we've got Director of Coaching uh, Gilbert Juarez of the 915 United Volleyball Club joining us here today. Coach, it's great to have you on oh, our yeah, show. Th- and thanks for the invite. Yeah, yeah, thank you so much for coming by. It's, it's yeah. probably been such a roller coaster of a year for you yeah, guys it this has. year. It's been, it's been difficult ever since uh, March. I was, I was telling Adrian here that we, uh, we were on our way to Denver last year. We we're, on, we're on the road and we get the email, hey, tournament's canceled. And ever since, it's just been up and down. We're open, we're closed, we're open, we're closed. And, you know, it's been hard. How, how quick um, it w- how quick of a turnaround have some of these cancellations been? Are you like you know on the road getting ready for a tournament and then you get the notification, oh boom, tournament's yeah, canceled. That's the only one. That was the only tournament because after that everybody canceled. And so after that we never we canceled our flights, we canceled all the tournaments, we refunded money, uh, and then nobody was going to go to anything else. Everything was canceled. And they tried, you know, Lone Star pushed their tournaments more and more Lone Star is our big tournament in Dallas and they kept pushing and pushing and no we're still going to have it we're still going to have it and eventually it just like nope we're canceled and everybody did that so so it was just you know Denver was the one we were on the road and and they sent us the email and we're done yeah well we'll take take me through maybe like a timeline of events uh of not necessarily of events but timeline of just the scene of volleyball here locally all the way up to COVID and kind of how it was, where it was going, and then where it might be going now. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, right from the beginning, where I, when I started about 15 years ago, uh, three clubs, uh, three clubs in town. And, uh, and each, it was not very big, but three, the three clubs were, were pretty solid, you know, 15 teams per club, that, that type of stuff. And it's just been growing over the years, uh, really, really competitive. You see the high schools also, uh, usually just the varsity team was good. Now varsity and JV and freshmen, are, a lot of really good players are going in there. Now there's uh, man, over 20 clubs in El Paso. Uh, so it's gotten really big and, um, and it was fine. It was awesome. Our local tournaments were big. A lot of teams were getting out of town and competing very well in some of our bigger tournaments. Um, uh, Dallas, Denver, uh, Atlanta, Chicago, a lot of those tournaments, uh, El Paso was really putting on a good show there. And um, <clears throat> like I said, it was, it was awesome. Volleyball was really growing and uh, a lot of kids getting into college now. And, um, and like I said, March comes around and that's it. Just <laughs> Like what? What's the with you know obviously with the, with the club volleyball scene? You, you mentioned it. It's grown over the years. And uh, on one of the episodes, I talked about how back in the day when my sisters playing, even though it's only mm-hmm. a handful of handful of years. You know, I remember only just a, a few clubs, and now everything is is you know, you, you mentioned it, there's about 20 clubs right now. What is the difference right now when it comes to the the training philosophy? As a volleyball coach, from club to the mentality or the training. Uh, perspective from a high school coach. Um, how, how do you guys defer as far as uh, the development of, of, of players? Uh, one, of the, one of the main things that I tell, like we'll have parents call and meet and hey, we want to go see what you guys are about. <clears throat> and what I tell them is that I don't get paid to win. I get paid to develop your kid. So if a parent comes to me and says, hey, well, are we going to go win games? I said, we're not the club for you. Mm-hmm. You know, you're paying me to train your kid. And when I train your kid well, and your kid goes and makes varsity at, as a freshman or is looking at getting recruited, that's our commercial. You know? So you're gonna go turn around and tell other parents and other kids, hey, you need to go to 915 because they know how to train your kid. Mm-hmm. You know? And in high school, it's the opposite. In high school, if you're not winning, those coaches are get paid to win. So if the coach is not winning, you get fired. You lose your job, mm-hmm. right? And so, so with a mentality of I'm here to make you better and a mentality of I'm here to win, you have to train your kids different. The expectations are we need to do it now. 
-hmm. And so the learning curve is very different. You know, the patience is very different because if I don't win, I lose my job. Mm -hmm. You know, and for us, it's like if I don't train you well, I lose clients. You know, so, so the philosophies have to be different because the goals are very different. You know, and, and so you have to really buy into, when I tell parents and they come talk to me, I said, you have to understand that if we're losing, you can't be upset about it. If your kid's not getting better, then we can sit down and have a conversation because that's what I'm selling. I'm selling training for your kid. And, um, and I tell parents and I tell our teams is we can go to a tournament early in the year and, and win. Mm -hmm. And guess what's going to happen at the next tournament? We're bumping up to the next division anyway. So there go all your victories because now we're challenging ourselves against bigger, stronger, better teams. Mm -hmm. And so you're not going to beat those teams, but you better be competing at a very high level. You know? And, um, and it helps when, when people buy into a system. Uh, it, it's really fun. Mm -hmm. it, it helps. How much has the training process changed for you since the pandemic hit? Um, since that's a big part of what you do in the development side of things, I'm sure you had to learn a lot of the like about kind of um, you had to coach the more of the virtual side of things, mm -hmm. not necessarily learn. You had to teach everybody the virtual yeah. side of things. It, it, it was really for me. It was really hard because I'm very hands-on. Um, I, and I believe that in order to get good at volleyball, you have to be playing volleyball. Mm -hmm. You have to see a ball coming over the net and, and, and touching and getting a feel for the ball. And if you can't experience that, it's really difficult. And so um, we limited our training to really small groups and uh, splitting our teams into two sessions, things like that. So we were training with a lot smaller groups, which turned into more of private lesson or small group lessons rather than a team practice. And so, but yeah, you have to adapt because I mean, when it's time for your kids to really get into a six on six competition, we couldn't do it, mm -hmm. you know? And so we had to be really patient. They had to be patient. And, and then when school, their school season got on the road again, we kind of just said, you know, prioritize school because sure. that's what you're going through right now. And we don't want to play tug of war with the kids. We're like, oh, well, Coach Gilbert's going to get mad at me if I don't go to practice. But I have my school practice. So go to your school practice because that season is, we have a lot of seniors. That's your last season. You know, go enjoy your last season and then come back afterwards. You know, so the scary part was they were saying that the high school season was going to be in the spring, which would really been a mess with club and high school on the same. That would have been a mess. Yeah, so, complete conflict. Yeah, yeah, so that would have been hard. But luckily they, they got through their season and, and now we're starting with our, with our season now. Uh, we start playing in January, but we're starting our team practices now and stuff. We were, uh, we were just talking earlier about how uh, with some of the volleyball players that I have uh, that are coming back, their season is going to start in the, in the spring. So, you know, same thing he was saying, you know, how do you guys, are you guys changing anything as far as, uh, uh, you know, if usually volleyball players come back from college and it's and it's okay a different mentality you know I just got done with my season I just want to kind of practice but now it's 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 preseason and it's time to it's time to roll right into into their spring season in January so I'm sure it's 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 very unique to yeah. uh, very unique situation right now yeah calendars just flip for you I mean yeah and then it's so much conflict that you're having to deal with you know it's funny I was I was talking to a football coach the other day uh, Jesse Perales who's out there in Garland Naiman and I was telling them you know, your coaches aren't really coaches this year. It's almost like general managers because right. they are having to go through all the scheduling. Mm -hmm. Then they're having to manage the players at the same point because the players can have their own whatever might be happening in their own life, right. personal lives with the virus and how they're affected with it. They might mm -hmm. have their own conflicts of actually joining the team. And it just might – and just kind of coming up with – even a roster, a new roster yeah. each week, it yeah. must be difficult. Yeah, and that's that's been one of the problems with um, uh, when we were doing the, when they were playing high school and we were trying to run practices because our season usually starts November first. Our practices, and so they're still playing. So they're like, well, I can't be exposing myself to too many things. So can I miss practice? Yeah, miss practice. We're fine, you know. And then where you're looking at, well, man, we start in January. We need to start getting some practices going, but you can't pressure the kid, you know. And so we had a lot of that where we had an exposure or an elderly in the house or somebody with um, underlying symptoms or whatever, and they're like, well, we don't want to go. We can't get exposed. And, and 
And then we had people that were getting exposed, and so they're out for two weeks until they get their results, stuff like that. And so we had to manage all that stuff. And then now, um, USA Volleyball is the one that says we're okay to run tournaments. And so they're, they're the ones allowing uh, Atlanta to run the Big South uh, qualifier, Lone Star qualifier, Denver. And uh, so they gave us the schedule of tournaments that they're gonna have in January. And then Serva, which is the region, they're saying these, this, these are the tournaments we're having. So now we can say these are the tournaments we're gonna go to with these guidelines. So all the players have to play with masks, all the, we're not gonna be switching sides after every match, after every set, we switch sides. They're not going to allow. They're not going to do that anymore. Uh, coaches have to wear masks. They're doing a 10-minute uh, sanitizing session between matches uh, to sanitize the balls, clean the courts, all that stuff. Well, it's more than the high schools do. <coughs> I'll tell yeah. you that it's way more. Really, really. it is. Yeah. It's a lot more than mm -hmm. what I've seen a lot of the high schools implement on their end. Yeah. See, I haven't followed a whole lot of the high school. Some of the games that were being live streamed, I watch because some of them our players are playing, but I haven't followed up on any of that the rules that they're using. Um, and so they're only allowing one parent per player. So wow. usually it's mom, dad, sometimes grandma, little sisters, dad, and so that's out. So it's only gonna be one parent per, per kid. And uh, so, you know, they're doing that to, to minimize everything. And uh, so, but yeah, and then, so we have to run, our parents ask us, you know, well, which tournaments are we going to? Well, we're gonna run our schedule as normal with those guidelines. And then if they come back and tell us, hey, it's getting bad again, we're going to cancel then, we cancel then. You know, but, but we have to kind of move on a little bit. What, uh, what, what role do you guys uh, play within the recruiting process for, for a volleyball player? So, you know, usually, obviously, they get, a volleyball player gets, gets film, gets, gets footage, and then a college coach might be interested and they, they'll contact the, the high school coach. Mm -hmm. Are you also in touch with uh, yes. Do you have a network, or do they contact you? What, what, uh, take uh, me through some of that. We, we use what's called field level, and uh, and so I have my account on field level. Most of our coaches have, especially if they're working with the older, fifteens mm -hmm. uh, and up. Uh, and so we ask them to get on field level. And um, I I do film sometimes. If, if somebody calls me and hey, can you make a highlight film for me? So I'll okay. we'll record their matches, and then I can do the film for them. And then, um, and then we create their profile on field level. Some of them use uh, NCSA, okay. mm -hmm. and then um, some of them are, and then we use a university athlete, so uh, uh, NCAA clearinghouse. So we make them do all of those, the free things mm -hmm. uh, when they're freshmen. And so we push them into that, and then we make sure that they have their, their videos and all that stuff. And then at some point, um, you, you get the request from, from schools. Hey, I'm looking for a 2021 libero, you know? And so you go on your roster and you s promote your players, you know, stuff like that. Or you can just go in there and, and look at all the other coaches that are on field level and see what they're looking for. And you're just promoting your athlete, you know? But eventually what happens is, um, and this is learning from, from the past where a parent does everything for the child. You know, and they're like, oh, well, my, my daughter does this, and my, my, you know, they're, they're promoting their, their kid to the college, and, and they get recruited, but then the kid doesn't want to go. And we've seen that where the kid, like in week one, they want to come back home because they have no time vested in their own recruitment. So we kind of balance it out where, hey, these schools are looking for this player. You need to contact these. So we kind of get them in touch with the coaches, but a lot of times the kid needs to solve themselves because they're the ones that are going to go invest four years of their life in a different city uh, with different people with new coaches new teams and they're the ones that have to be over there making those decisions of i want to be here when sometimes when the parents get too involved uh, the kid sits back and then at the end they're like oh well i don't even want to go because the, the the time invested was on the parents and and we've been to you know um, uh, the recruiting clinics with NCSA and Field Level and some of those companies, and they tell you, you know, back off at some point because the kid is the one that's going to go over there and they're the ones that need to be happy where they're going. So the decision has to be, a, a good percentage has to be on the, on the, on the player saying, ooh, I want to live here. Ooh, I want to play with these girls. I want to play for that coach. I want to study here. You know, so a lot of it is, we, we introduce them to the process, we get them in contact with coaches, we guide them along, but a lot of it has to be on them. You know? and, uh, 
And so it's, uh, sometimes our parents look at you like, why aren't you supposed to help me? Say, well, I'm helping you to that point, mm -hmm. but we don't want to invest all that time. And then your child goes there and says, I don't want to stay here. Mm -hmm. why, am I, why am I here? It's like, well, because I want you here. So yeah, but I don't, I'm, and now I'm an adult. Now I'm 18. <laughs> so, my own yeah, so, so you have to balance it out on how far you can push the kid. Some kids don't want to play college ball. You know, they, they love the high school scene and all that stuff, but a lot of times they're ready or sometimes they're burned out. You know, and they just want to go and, and study, you know, get on with their careers. So, it, It's amazing some of the things that he's touching out that uh, Coach Kana, when he was here, he was also commenting about that, how the within the recruiting process, the parents will a lot of times take over mm -hmm. and do all the work for the kids and they'll, 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 do, they'll put in more work and, and sometimes the kids are also not, not really interested. Mm -hmm. And it's funny that you mentioned also that as soon as they go out of town, they wanna come back right away. Yeah. And so it, it, I don't know if it's, a, if it's an El Paso yeah. thing or yeah. it's just, you know, it happens everywhere. I think it's everywhere. I think it's everywhere. We were at a recruiting clinic one time and, and all the parents were on one side of the gym and then all the kids were on this side and the, the gentleman speaking right in the middle. Mm -hmm. And he asked all the girls, you know, hey, how many of you want to play college? You know, and, ah, you know, a little bit of a roar, you know, here and there. But then when he asked the parents, man, the parents <laughs> just blew up. Like, they were all excited and whistling and cheering and clapping. And it's like, guys, this is a problem, yeah. you know, right, because right. you guys want your kid playing college sports more than they want to play college sports. Mm -hmm. And so that creates the burnout, the, the hate for the sport, and you lose the passion for the game because nobody wants to be forced to go do something they don't want to do. So we try to create a passion for the game, and then you decide if you want to go play at the next level. Because you know? there's opportunities to play at the next level, but you have to be motivated to get put yourself out there, contact the coaches, uh, be on the phone with the coaches, go for visits, you know, all that stuff. Really research the school. You know, what's the history of the school? What's the history of the volleyball program? What's the coach's philosophy? You know, there's very different coaches. I'm pretty mellow, and you have another coach that's high intensity, and one kid will like the mellow coach, and another kid will like the high intensity. And so you have to know which coach you're, you're gonna play for, you know? And both systems work, but, but you have to pick which one you wanna work with. Coach, do you, um, you know, when we're talking about the recruiting process, have you seen an attitude shift a little bit in, in a general sense of maybe kids being more willing to go out and explore other places here in El Paso? I mean, just me personally, outside looking in, I've seen a lot, of, a lot more Division One offers mm -hmm. here locally, and I've seen a lot more college athletes are now from, uh, from El Paso having a lot of success at the next level. Uh, I, th I think it's, uh, you're right, and, and you, you do see more of it, and I think a lot of it is because the club scene has grown so much that we do play out of town more. You know, before we used to stay local with our younger teams, and we would start going out of town 15, 16, and now they're, we're traveling a little bit earlier and they really enjoy the scene of playing somewhere else, the, the other cities and stuff like that. And, uh, and then so we get more exposure also, so there's more offers, stuff like that. The level has gone higher throughout, so it gives a kid, I think, a lot more excitement uh, to play at a higher level and then, oh, well, if I can play at this level, maybe I can play in college. So I think, I think that's helped a lot. You know, mm -hmm. but yeah, and before I used to kind of hang out in the 14 and below age groups, and one of our coaches left, and so I kind of took over the older age group, so I notice it more also just because I'm more involved with the, a lot of the older kids. And uh, so last year we had a lot of our, our um, actually the last two years, a lot of our 18s are playing at the, at the next level. So, and that's fun to watch, because they always come into town, they're in town right now, they get to come in and practice and scrimmage with, with our, our 18s. And so that's fun to watch. Then they get to share some of their experiences, their college experiences mm -hmm. with, with our young younger one. kids that are getting ready and they're like, well, should I play? And should I? And these guys are like, yeah, you should go. It's fun and, you know, stuff like that. So it how, helps. How long, uh, have, how, how many years have you been coaching? Uh, About 15, 16 years. 15, yeah. okay. Uh, you know, like I said, you know, going back into to the history and and, and and all that, you know, when the clo uh, the the clubs had just just begun, how has the uh, the training for volleyball evolved? You know, obviously right now it's very very much very competitive uh, mm -hmm. atmosphere right now here in, in town, but how has it changed from you know when you first started uh, 
working as a, as a volleyball coach and, and the things that you guys have progressed to, to get to this point as far as uh, new, new drills, new, new things that you guys have implemented that you're like, ah, we're not going to do that anymore. Yeah. Um, one of the main things is uh, they've done studies with uh, basketball and football and a lot of other sports, and, and they did a study where, or, you know, they, they researched and all that stuff, mm-hmm. and, and they found out that in volleyball, back in the day, and I don't know if some coaches still do it, we don't, but volleyball was the sport where the coach touches the ball more than the player. And, okay. and that's wrong, you know, because I don't play anymore, you know, <laughs> so I don't, need, I don't need to warm up my shoulder, I don't need to work on serving, mm-hmm. I don't need to hit balls, I don't need to do any of that stuff, the girls need to do it. So, so we've really bought into that where we back off mm-hmm. from touching a ball. I don't touch a ball at all in, in a three hour practice. And it's all, we design the drills, we teach the girls how to, that they need to be the coaches on the court hitting the ball because they need the reps. And so we, we've designed a lot of our practices where we go and we teach them the drill and, and then we teach them, uh, we name all our drills and we go and we put five drills on the board and that kills the first hour and a half. Mm-hmm. But they're managing everything. They become very independent on the court. They, they pick up all the skills that a coach you know, most, most coaches are former volleyball players. And so if you get a 13-year-old to develop the skills of a former volleyball player, then you're ahead of the game, you know. But if the coach is the one doing all the hitting and everything, the coach is getting 100 reps, while each kid, if you have 10 kids, is only getting 10. You know, so that's been a really big transition, and we really bought into that. And so if we see coaches and some of the coaching director that if we see coaches doing too much hey let them do it oh but it looks really ugly when they do it yeah for a little while and then once they get it you're going to see how much better those kids get and so a lot of our drills are no coach touching the ball and so that's really important for us is the kid needs to get all the touches and you know so so that was one of the biggest things for us is is buying into that and then um, technique wise um we look at what the coaches in college teach and what they want because that's our goal is how many kids can we get into college so we look at them and they like swing blocking they like uh, uh, certain jump serves they like certain techniques and so we teach them that and then for example uh, uh, last year we have four kids that are going to Solros. so when they committed i asked them contact your coach find out what they need from you what system are they going to run? What this and that? And then right now we have Genesis, Hannah, um, like two other girls on our on our eighteens, um, and I asked them the same thing: find out what they need because we're coaching you for them now. You know, so you wow. need to look forward to what they're doing. And Caitlin was the same. Caitlin's at Texas State, Nadia, and so when they come in, even for these short breaks, we always ask them: what does your coach want over there? Well, they want me to run this system. So we start teaching them the system that they're going to be using. So a lot of it is not just, you can't just be like, we're going to do this. You know, the, the athletes you have, you know, if you have a bunch of short athletes, we're in El Paso, uh, and just, you know, you change your, your system a little bit. So you have to be very open-minded with all that stuff. And, um, but you kind of teach the same stuff that you used to teach, but you teach it differently. And then we're very patient. We, we use the, the philosophy, it's called training ugly. And, and you introduce a new drill and it looks really bad, but you give it time and they're eventually gonna get it. And so you allow it to look ugly for a little while. And, and the kids, you always ask them, is it gonna look ugly? Yes, coach, it's gonna look really bad till we get it. And, and you have to have the patience while they're learning. You know? So, and we take pride with, with all our coaches in our club that we're a teaching, teaching club, not, not a winning club. And, uh, you know, if you look back at our winning percentages, we're actually not awesome, but we, we, we do really well at big tournaments because of the way we train. So, I, I absolutely love everything you had yeah, to say yeah. because it, it's, it's just the, your approach of essentially slow kicking them instead of pressure mm-hmm. kicking them. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, you know, it's 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 the same approach that I have with the athletes here because they, you know, I might get a 12-year-old, I might get an 18-year-old, mm-hmm. 
but regardless, the program is obviously individualized to them, and of course, the the sport and, and their training agent. Like you said, at the beginning, at the beginning, it's it's ugly. You know, it's like oh, they're they're all over the place, mm-hmm. balance, coordination, but it's just for a little while, mm-hmm. and then they start getting better, and then they start getting more confident, and and then before you know it, it's just it, it's you know they're 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 a great athlete, and on they go into mm-hmm. their their high school years, and mm-hmm. they, they just keep developing, developing, developing. So I very much like that uh, your your mm-hmm. you guys are training for. Yeah. And, and coach, if I if I can add something on that, I think that a lot of coaches, um, and, and they might have their own philosophy, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, every coach has their own yes. philosophy, mm-hmm. but I appreciate that you're a straight shooter. I mean, yeah. you tell it like it is, yeah. and you don't necessarily sugarcoat things because you're not going to overpromise anybody who's oh, going yeah, no. to be in in a position where they're going to go to a college. You want to just give them the tools that they need, and you yes. give you give them the tools, but they're the ones who take that step. Yeah, yeah, and that's really important. And really, the only time we ever pressure our kids is if they're not being coachable. You know, we need you to come in here and change. You know, and if you're not changing, then you're going to see a bad side of me. You know, and and you know, the, my kids laugh because I always give them a glare when you're not listening. You know, I don't <laughs> yell, I don't do anything. You can ask Genesis and them, and it's like. Man, if Coach Gilbert stares at you, you yeah, you've crossed the line on, and he's he's upset, you know, and so so that's really as far as we get, you know, we don't we don't believe in in uh, in consequences with burpees and and you know running suicides and lines and all that stuff. We don't we don't do that. We if you're struggling with your serves, you're gonna go serve more, but you're gonna focus on the correct technique. And if your technique is not good, then you're gonna hear us kind of raise our voice a little bit. Hey, you're not changing. You're not changing, and because we're responsible for making you. A better athlete you know when I tell your parents hey you bring her to me I can make her better mm-hmm. but if you're not listening then I'm breaking my promise that I'm gonna make you better because you don't listen and so then it becomes a conflict there where hey coach she's not getting better well yeah she won't listen well make her listen okay well you know <laughs> then then you have to find that fine line of, mm-hmm. of intensity and pressure to get them to make those changes and understand it you know and so a lot of times we get kids that play and they learn the winning part of it first or, or get the ball over the net first, you know, and that's their whole goal. And so when you try to teach them more advanced stuff, if their ball doesn't go over the net, they just feel like failures. And so you have to break that and say, it doesn't matter if you miss, just do things right and eventually you'll get better at it, you know. And so so you have to break kids of that habit of, um, you know, one thing that we always take pride in also in our gym is that we don't allow parents for two months in our practices. November, December, no parents are allowed because parents put a different type of pressure on their kid, you know. And I might have to start influencing. No, I'm just <laughs> Yeah, no, you do. You know. To anyone listening, I'm just kidding. Yeah. And, uh, I used to have the same thing. I mean, when I was playing sports. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and so, you know, you're trying to get your kid to do an approach and jump as high as he can. And we'll get the ball in later, but mom and dad are sitting on the bleachers saying, you know, oh man, when she gets in the car, you know, and and, She's and screwed. yeah, you know, and so they they do, they come back the next practice. Oh, it's because my mom and dad they've really put pressure on me and stuff, and or you're coaching your team, and you know, you have one kid looking over at the bleachers, and it's like, who's over there? It's like, oh, it's because my dad gets mad at me or whatever. It's like everybody out of practice, and so mm-hmm. we don't allow parents at practice for two months. Mm-hmm. All of November, all of December, and then in January, they're so accustomed to not coming anymore that they're they're fine, you know. And so you have to condition kids and parents, and and once they buy into it again, you know, they, it works really well. So, so that's why you have to understand all the pressures that the kids have, and a lot of it is, you know, from home, the coaches, their peers on the court. You know, if they're playing next to an awesome kid, mm-hmm. and they don't look or feel the same. They're they're gonna feel it. You know. It's intimidating. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll definitely have to agree with that. The 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 things that some kids, the kind of pressure, and even I quite honestly I feel that sometimes when uh, when parents are in here, mm-hmm. and you know obviously I, I can't you know I want I want the parents to be able to see what they do, mm-hmm. but sometimes what they'll what I'll do is I'll position them where they're a little further mm-hmm. away from the parent, or I'll position myself in between, and then the athlete just looks at me, so yeah. they they break that eye contact mm-hmm. and just just focus on me. Uh, touching back on the, uh, you mentioned some of the burnouts that burnout that some of the athletes mm-hmm. are feeling right now. Do you feel like the, obviously they, they go from you know their their high school season and then they have a short period where they they practice with you guys to mm-hmm. get ready for the for the club and then you mentioned obviously the 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 philosophy of 
you know, if you make a mistake, then therefore you have to run or you have to mm -hmm. do purpose. Do you think all that stuff just leads to the burnout yeah. of the athlete? When, once they get senior year, they're, I'm done. I don't even want to touch another volleyball after I graduate yeah. from, from high school. Yeah, it, it's, you know, we, we only practice twice a week. Uh, sometimes, depending on the team, we'll, we'll do three days a week. Right now, two of our teams, we're doing Tuesday, Thursdays, and Saturdays. One of them is the 18th, and they just love to come in and play. Um, the other kids, they have a lot of potential, and we've got to fix a few things, so we bring them in three days a week. And we've had parents ask, like, Coach, how come you don't practice four days a week? How come you don't practice every day? It's like, because your kid doesn't want this to be her job. This is something where they still need to enjoy the game. And if you run your practices correctly, two days a week is enough. You come in for two days a week, really focus for two hours, you're going to learn a lot. You can come in four days a week, and two of those days, the kid's brain is not even there. Or you're going to call me and say, hey, coach, I can't bring my kid today. I have work. Or she has too much homework. Now I'm getting four days a week of practice with a skeleton crew. Mm -hmm. you know. So I would rather get we pretty much have perfect attendance without the, the virus going on um, with two days a week. We do Tuesdays and Thursdays, or Mondays and Wednesdays. And they come in, and, and because they don't do it every day, they don't dread coming to practice. And then there's no consequences. So they're mm -hmm. never terrified of, oh, you know, coach is there, you know, and oh, they're going to get us, you know, I don't want to go because all we do is run, or, or every time I make a mistake, I'm, I'm punished, you know. So, mm -hmm. It also creates a good environment for them to learn. Now, what people do in high school or, or other things is, is different. You know, we, we don't control any of that stuff. And then, again, the pressure from school is different because it is about winning. So the coaches have to act and treat them different because, again, their check is on the line. If, if you're not winning, guess what? School's going to go look for another coach. So the pressure there is different. The peer pressure from playing in front of all your friends against your crosstown rival, you know, so they feel that pressure. And some kids can handle it, no problem. And other kids are stressed so much that they can't wait for the season to be over and I don't want to play anymore. And, and we've had those kids, you know, where, where I love to play, but I don't like the pressure when, when we're playing well. You know, the further you get in a tournament, you're playing tougher teams. So some kids, they just fall apart and, and maybe they're not athletes internally wired like an athlete to love the competition and so those kids disappear you know and that's fine you know you don't hold it against them because it's not it's not for everybody but going from high school five days a week sometimes six days a week right. the pressure and then uh, they got to win they got to beat the cross turn rivals they got to be district champs things like that is, a, is pressure for them and then school on top of that you know and so we used to shut down every summer 10 years ago. Every summer we'd be like, parents would ask us, Coach, what are we doing in the summer? Nothing. Go take a vacation, go enjoy yourselves. Well, now there's so many clubs and it's gotten so competitive with all the clubs that mm -hmm. you kind of have to offer something in the summer to keep your kids more, more interested and stuff. And, and I think that's going to create more burnout because uh, for parents it's tough on the pocketbook also. You know, it's like, hey, we're going to go here, we're going to go here. And the first season or two, it's exciting. The third and fourth season, you're like, man, more money? You know, more travel, more flights? You know, and it, and it does. And so we, as a club, we try to manage the amount of travel because we don't want parents to get burned out. And they look at other clubs around town. They're like, well, how come we don't go to those tournaments? Because in two years, you don't want to be paying. And, and when it's crunch time for your kid to be looked at for college, you want them motivated. But if you've already been to Denver six times and you're barely 16, you know, you're like, ah, we don't want to go again. And say, hey, well, they want to look at your kid. Yeah, but we can't afford it anymore. You know, so you have to, bur burnout also happens with parents. You know, it's like, man, for another club season, another club season, another club season. It's tough. So you try to manage and give them breaks. So to us, the two days a week of practice is really good. Um, I've sent kids home from practice when I sense that they're getting burned out or too frustrated. It's like, hey, go home, take two weeks off, and come back in two weeks. And when mom calls, it's like, hey, your kid's burned out. You know, she's got too much pressure, and she's not even performing anymore. And, um, and so you give them two weeks off, and then in two weeks, they're like, coach, thanks. She's even acting better at home, you know, things like that. So you have to manage the kids. And, you know, 915 United is all about volleyball, but not everybody's life is all about volleyball. 
you know, so you have to understand that. It's go play other sports or go on vacation, take trips. And that's why we don't play in December either. You know, we only start in January because people want to enjoy their holidays. And you don't want to run practices or, or have tournaments in December because now you're interfering with family time and things like that. So take a break. Yeah. Right. With um, I've I've noticed it more, and and I've mentioned it many times. Is you know the the one sport that I train the most is volleyball. Really? And I've noticed it. Uh, I've noticed this more and more. And of course, I would say that ninety nine percent of them more than likely play club, mm -hmm. whatever whatever club they play. And one thing that I've noticed is that they're treating their high school volleyball season as if you look at perhaps like a sport like football, right? They have their spring season and then they'll go into their actual season mm -hmm. in the fall. There's somewhat, I've, I've been seeing a trend where they're treating their high school volleyball season as kind of like a spring season and then the real season starts in January mm -hmm. where they actually get to travel and you know, make it to nationals and, and yeah. that kind of stuff. And, and you, you, have the, you have like, I would say about half and half of the, I think the kids you get because mm -hmm. they're over here training on their own and getting, next, they're really motivated for club and trying to play at the next level. Mm -hmm. And so they're looking beyond high school a little bit. Mm -hmm. And um, and then you have another group that absolutely will not touch club volleyball. Or or they'll do club, but like um, like train me for my high school team. Mm -hmm. That's that stuff, you know, and it just depends on I've seen it over over the years where some kids love club volleyball and they can't wait to go to Denver and Las Vegas and Phoenix. And they love seeing the big huge kids you know, across the net, and they love that com competitive stuff that they don't get in El Paso. And then there's other kids that just love the high school scene, which is understandable. You know, we have those kids also, and you just kind of balance it out. It's like, you know, you get to play in front of your friends. You know, you get to represent your school. You get to wear your, your uniform two days out of the week for your school. And so that's awesome also. But some kids look at it as like, yeah, this is really fun but the competitiveness of club is, is at another level. Because if you see the kids that we play against sometimes, man, they're... You think you're playing college team already? Yeah, and, and you are. There's a lot of kids. You know, we went to Arizona. Um, Arizona Sky is one of the top teams in the nation. And Randy Johnson's daughter is, is the, the middle blocker on the Jeez. other side. And she's 6'5 and, and, and can jump. She's got jump. wingspan like crazy? Like, like and she crazy? can jump, you know. And then her teammates are all 6'3. And they're the, they were the number one team in the nation uh, about three years ago and so you run into those teams and good luck trying to win you know so you just play your heart out but the kids really love playing uh, stepping up to those challenges and you'd be surprised how much they'll, they'll get beat you know 25 15 and they walk off the court so happy that they were digging balls and, and acing them and, and getting some blocks or whatever and, and they really like and so the next tournament they're like oh, I hope they're here or, you know and they start looking forward to the competition and so you, you, do, you start seeing that there's different types of athletes. Some love to compete, some only like to win. And, and so you start seeing a difference as they get a little bit older. And so we like to train the kids, we like to teach them to love the competition. Because when you love competition, you're gonna come back and work harder uh, during a game. And you're gonna know that, hey, we're not, this team's tough. So let's compete with them rather than, oh, well, we're not gonna beat them. And winning and losing is very different from loving competition. And so there's a balance there with, you have to balance it with your high school kids uh, when they start coming to club. Because they're very different philosophies. Mm -hmm. so. And, and I, I think just, just looking at based on the entire, all, all the information you gave us, I think I can see why the athletes are also more motivated to go into club. I mean, number one, obviously you go twice a week. You know, so mm -hmm. you don't feel as burnt out, but you feel like perhaps every single practice is going to be much more efficient and 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 then you go into your game and then you know yeah. that's it instead of like you said going monday through saturday practice and then tuesday thursday games mm -hmm. or uh, you know tournaments saturday yeah. all saturday and all sunday perhaps for yeah. at the beginning of the season so i can i can definitely yeah. see that yeah because high school i mean high school i know i'm not trying to knock high school but it's it's a, it's a lot mm -hmm. you know they are doing five or six days a week and then two games uh two matches a week so it's a lot you know and then homework and then a lot of these kids are pretty smart kids and you know they're trying to stay you know top 10 some of them and, and manage their grades so that's a lot of work for them you know so we try to manage that just by doing 
two days a week and deliberate practice rather than, you know, we do quality over quantity and, and it really helps us a lot. So, <clears throat> and like I said, our kids come in knowing we're going to practice, you know, and we're not going to play for two hours. We're going to practice an hour and a half and then play a little bit. And then as the season progresses, we play more and train less, you know, so. When, um, so what's, what's next for you guys? What's the, what's the timeline of next year look like for tournaments and out of town, uh, you know, things that you guys are going to be a part of? Uh, so USA Volleyball is allowing all the national qualifiers to, to go on with, with their business. So we'll be doing Phoenix uh, in January, and then we'll do um, Denver, uh, Colorado Crossroads was always in March. They spread their tournament out over three weekends and it's like really spread out to minimize the crowds. Uh, so their schedule is out. Uh, we're going to Atlanta with the 18s to the Big South qualifier, and then uh, we'll do Lone Star in Dallas. Um, well, there's some local tournaments here in town for the younger age groups. Um, we're talking about Albuquerque because New Mexico is doing really bad with lockdowns and, and shutting down everything. So our director's been in contact with their director, and apparently they're not having any tournaments in in Albuquerque, and they're a big contributor to our region, you know, so so right now they're telling us there's nothing going on. I don't know if they're allowing them to have club teams that can travel uh, out, mm -hmm. out, of, out of state and go play, or they're just shutting everything down. But as far as tournaments go, we're not planning any Albuquerque tournaments. So, but everything else is, um, they're letting us pr proceed with their schedule, so they send us their schedule, we make our schedule. And until they shut us down again or, or they cancel tournaments, we're going to proceed with that. And again, they all have their, their, their rules with, with, the, with the masks and sanitizing and no switching sides, mm -hmm. uh, no shaking hands, stuff like that. So we're just going to follow their, their rules and see what happens. And if they cancel us, well, there's not much you can do. Are you one of those coaches who says, I'm not, I'm not counting this tournament until we're on the court and ready to go? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just I'm, you know, the uncertainty, yeah. right? Yeah, because like me, from, from my perspective, and, and this is funny with all our coaching staff and, and our club staff, is I just focus on coaching. So even in our meetings, I'm like, my kids are out there waiting. I'm going to go coach. I'm going to go coach. <laughs> so any decision that has to do with tournaments and travel and all that, it's like, you guys decide I'm going to go coach. So tell me if my tournament's going, and then I'll be there and I'll coach. You know, I don't, I don't deal with so much of the administrative stuff. But uh, so, yeah, so I'll just wait and see. And, and if Phoenix is a go, I'll be in Phoenix coaching. And, and if they cancel, well, we'll, the we'll look at the next one and see. So, so uh, but USA Volleyball, you know, they're allowing everybody to, to schedule their tournaments. And we're already paying entry fees and all that stuff. So. Mm -hmm. So you kind of have to move on with the guidelines that they that they put forward. Have you uh, with and, and just going a, a little bit a little bit off from that? Uh, I've noticed it with with some clubs that they do. I don't, I don't know if you guys do this as much, um, where they do what's called Vertimax training. Mm -hmm. uh, do you guys implement that within uh, within your your club, or do you? We don't. We rarely do any physical training mm -hmm. uh, because, like, parents will ask me, "How come you don't condition the kids?" I said, "Because you don't pay me to condition them. You pay me to teach them volleyball." So I'm gonna run two hours of strict volleyball, and then we send them to you to do all the other stuff. Mm -hmm. And and it helps too because um, they schedule their own workouts early in the morning or late in the afternoon when it's convenient for them and they can just come in and focus on volleyball. So if I, if I can get a kid to learn volleyball and be in a little bit out of shape, they're going to beat the kid that is in great shape and doesn't know anything about volleyball. And what's my job? Volleyball. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to teach you volleyball, the IQ, the skills. And if you want to get better jumping-wise or quickness, then you go work at a place like this where it's going to be you're going to benefit that and then we all start applying it and we have a lot of kids that do this type of stuff and and you know they'll wear your shirt genesis wears your shirt to practice yesterday and so now as soon as i see hey so you're training over there and it's like yeah okay well now i'm going to expect you to really start showing the difference of the kid that's not doing the physical training as opposed to the kid that is because right, you right. can't look the there same. There you go. There's a the pressure. <laughs> you know, you can't, look the on same. Me. you can't look the same if one mm -hmm. kid's doing physical training and one kid's not. 
right, right, right. you need to start seeing the difference and the separation in the in the physical mm-hmm. in the body and the quickness but they should know volleyball just as well because that's the job that we do right, you know right, right. and so we just do like warm-up stuff and we do a little bit of things but for the most part we ask them to when they bring up the question of conditioning it's like go to these places mm-hmm. you know because we don't have time you know, and again, if we did, if we did do it, now again it becomes a job where you're here Tuesday, Thursdays doing volleyball, Monday, Wednesdays doing physical training. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, you know, coach, That's I have right. homework. Coach, you know, uh, my mom can't take me out when she's at work, and they're missing all the time. So, with the two days a week, it's perfect for we get perfect attendance a lot of times, and then they just come over here, you know. And I think they, they enjoy coming somewhere else to get that type of stuff because our kids are really happy that do gyms like this. They're, they come back like, you know, they're sore and stuff, but they, they know it's two different places, you know, so. And, and you know, the, the reason I ask that is because I've, I've been seeing that more and more, and, of course, my job is to manage their, their fatigue and, mm-hmm. you know, usually whether it's at the beginning of the season, the end of the season, you know, the last thing I want to see is that they, you know, they, any athlete, whether they have uh, shin splints or they mm-hmm. have uh, patellar tendinopathy issues with the ankles or the hips, and so just adding more contacts and more reps on top of the ones that they're doing uh, – for practice mm-hmm. or for games and then if I have them do more jumps here then it's just the number of contacts that just adds up little by little and so of course I always ask him you know what what are you doing and I might have to back off completely mm-hmm. because it's like why am I gonna make you do this many sets of jumps now because you're already doing yeah so much outside mm-hmm. so. yeah and really the only jumping we do is you're gonna get a set and you're gonna attack right. that's it but we don't actually do box jumps we don't mm-hmm. do anything you know um, jumping lunges we, we don't do any of that stuff it's just all the jumping we do in the physical part is just playing volleyball yeah. and if you're playing at a hundred percent that's also conditioning these guys coach we need water coach we need a break just on the drill alone but it's volleyball conditioning which is different from this conditioning because you know maybe for for this place because you're in charge is not so is is different but if you get a kid that wants to go work out on on their own you're gonna stop when you're tired. Right. But in a volleyball game or in a drill, the ball tells you when to move and how many times you need to move and how fast you need to move. So you're being forced to move when you're not ready. And that condition is, is a little bit different. But um, <clears throat> like I said here, you know, the, the kids that come to do this training, we've seen a lot of, a lot of really good benefits. Cause we'll ask them like, let me see how high you jump. And they're doing really well. And then you start seeing, you know, the legs get toned up and the shoulders and all that stuff. And you start seeing, the change in the body and stuff. And uh, you start seeing a little bit more power behind their serves, behind their hitting, uh, quickness, and, and it really helps. But again, you know, if we do it at our gym, then they're there every day, and you don't want to go to that place every day, you know? Yeah, you get, so, you, you get, you get yeah. burnt out, you yeah. get tired of it. And the environment here, when you walk in, it's cool, you know, well, wow, this is a nice place, you know? So it gives you the motivation to work out, and then over there, it gives you motivation to do volleyball, because they're two different things. So, and going to the same place every day to do the same, everything in one place is also like, this place again, so. This guy again? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No matter how nice of a guy, yeah. great coach might be, he's like, oh, yeah. I'm so tired of this guy. <laughs> so it's, uh, but yeah, like when I walked in here, it's like, wow, this is pretty cool. You know, it'd be cool to come in here and work out a few times, yeah. And, um, but if this was at our gym, yeah, they don't wanna. I don't right. think they, I think people do like the, the different the, scenes yeah different. different scenes and stuff you don't go to a basketball court to lift weights you don't go to a soccer <laughs> yeah. field to lift weights no. you know yeah you gotta you get, it's good to keep both environments separate separate yeah and uh, and again you know if you're professional not professional the athlete benefits big time and and you can see that with with a lot of the kids so and then they learn they're learning this and, and they don't tie it to to volleyball you know they don't they don't say well this is volleyball also if you do it over there, then it, everything's volleyball, and that creates a lot of the burnout. So when they go to off to college, you know, my stepdaughter's at Sol Ross, and she, oh, I'm gonna go work out, you know. So that, she doesn't even, I don't think, relates it to volleyball anymore because volleyball, volleyball, volleyball is like, man, when when does this end? But if you separate them, it becomes more. I'm gonna go work out so I can play volleyball later. You know, really helps. 
Well, Coach, uh, really appreciate all, all you okay. gave us. If you were to, if you were to just kind of get, get a crystal ball and say, you know, what would be the perfect 2021? What would that look like? Jeez. With just uh, putting this year past us, maybe on to a better, yeah. better year next year, especially with your club. Let's just go back to 2019 before all, <laughs> before all this happened. You know, um, and uh, and that's it. I mean, just let's just get back to normal and and uh, see how much they allow us to get back to normal. You know, because it, it put a damper on, I don't know if it affected your business. I'm sure mm-hmm. kids weren't coming and, and they closed all the gyms. And so, you know, yeah, let's go back to, to 2019 where sure. when everything was just running smoothly and back to normal and then right. we'll be good, you know. But if it doesn't, then you just got to take it day by day. And, and, right. um, and hopefully the, the people in charge are making the best decisions for everybody. And, uh, and let's see. Hopefully we can. Yeah, because at, at the end of the day, it's it's the kids that are, you know, <clears throat> unfortunately suffering. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, in you know, our businesses, yeah, you know, because our kids, you know, you can tell that they miss coming to play and they miss their, their you know, our 18s, that, that team with Genesis and uh, my stepdaughter's team from last year and the team prior to that, they're friends. I mean, they just love coming and playing together. And like I said, they're in town right now and, and – Hey, coaches, their practice, and all our college kids from two years ago, they come and play, you know, and they're playing against our current 18s, and then last year's 18s are coming to play. So it's a lot of the, the, their friendship, you know, and, and it's an outlet for them, you know. So you take that away, and, you know, they're all doing virtual learning, and, oh, coach, we hate it. Coach, we hate it. like, I know. You know we're, we're, mm-hmm. you know, we're human beings, and we're not wired to be Just locked in, and, mm-hmm. you know. So, so hopefully everything gets back to normal really soon. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, but uh, if you're asking me what's going to happen, I have no idea. <laughs> you know, if you ask me what I want to happen, yeah, let's oh, just hope for the best. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, hope for the best. And, and again, you know, we're just preparing and following all the guidelines that they give us, and we'll go from there. Well, I would get best of luck to, uh, for you and your team, Coach, well, for this you. upcoming year. Uh, it's re- it sounds very exciting. I'm very ex- uh, very encouraged about the local volleyball scene, especially yeah. at the club level and how much it's grown over the past yeah. years. And we really just appreciate you joining. you got to come back now on the show with yeah, us yeah. down yeah, the line yeah. once yeah. things get better. And yeah. then once you can t- talk to us about all the tournaments that you uh, experienced yeah, over let's the, go see this what, year. Yeah, uh, see what everything, how everything worked out and stuff. Yeah, yeah I'd be happy to come back. Yeah, yeah. I feel like you, you touch up on some great points and I'm sure we could elaborate on, on some more and you know you, you, you gave us some more background information that mm-hmm. you know we just just didn't know yeah and then so um, yeah well thanks for having me yes, and uh, yeah so let, let me know when you guys want me to come back and again let's get some tournaments under our belts for 2021 <laughs> and then we can right. discuss we can discuss how all that went all right all right well hey thank you so much that's gilbert juarez director of coaching at 915 united volleyball club he's armando aguilar for adrian broadus we're saying so long and thanks for listening to another edition of the physical athletics podcast